Thank you, Megan, for inviting the whole congregation along with the children into prayer. Quiet your voice. Quiet your judgment. Quiet the way you always tell your story to yourself. Jen Richardson crafted these phrases reflecting on the scripture from John that we just heard and the stagnant norms that are oppressing the folks that are encountering Jesus at the well. Water from a well, we hear in this scripture, simply doesn't satisfy. Well, water is old. It's stagnant. It's labor-intensive and prone to running dry. It's useful to a point, but not without risks and liabilities and labor. Certainly not the source of the living water that Jesus enigmatically speaks of in this passage. Wells are a literal source of life support for the animals, human and otherwise, that depend on what can be drawn to the surface. But the contrasting images evoked in this passage between well water and living water, between stagnancy and flowing streams, between labor-intensive and free-flowing, between contained and wild, the community around the well that we encounter is struggling with being that stagnant, rigid hardened place. There's a lot of background to this story. Ancient histories of warring genocide and rejection and mistrust, competition and resentment between Samaritans and Judeans, structures of sexism and patriarchy mandating gender roles and norms. There's layers here structures and obstacles of separation and prejudice that are gathering at the well. You are a Judean and I'm a Samaritan. Why are you asking me for a drink? How can you, Jesus, offer better water than Jacob and his sons and his cattle enjoyed? Why is it that you Judeans insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship? And the disciples, well, they were astonished to find Jesus talking to a woman. Quiet your voice. Quiet your judgment. Quiet the way you always tell your story to yourself. Being dried up or rigid or oppressed and locked in and locked down is very much acknowledged then in this scripture, but it is not the biblical last word. What Jesus brings to the well is wild and free-flowing and creative and living water, the water which takes what seems solid and reshapes it, the water which provides the moisture needed to reshape what appears fixed and hardened, the water that reveals obstructions and barriers and lies and shame and mistrust and self-loathing for what they are, 
temporary, moldable, recoverable, vulnerable, infused with possibility for restoration and healing. This is the living water of God's care and love for everything and the potential for living water to flow through the community that encounters it to the world. The water that Jesus gives away gives takes away thirst altogether. God is spirit so that those who worship God must worship God in spirit and truth. Jesus' nourishment comes from him doing the will of God who sent him and from finishing God's work. If we only knew the gift God has for us and who Jesus is, we would ask of Jesus and we would be given living water. Living water is hope as we hear about it in this scripture. It is not judgment. I don't know about you, but I grew up hearing this biblical story told as Jesus calling out a woman in her sinfulness, withholding and keeping our darkness hidden from Jesus was the lesson to be learned here, that that isn't good, and that it prevents us from being witnesses and apostles for Jesus in the world. Reminded regularly in my growing up years that I never quite measured up, I welcomed Jesus into my life again and again and again, each time hoping that Jesus would stick. After the 10th or 12th time, I thought, Jesus, you have terrible aim. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to make myself a big, as big a target as possible, and Christ Jesus, you couldn't hit the broadside of a barn, you know? This grew up in me from my early years as if I had two minds, one being sort of a self-loathing and the other claiming some sort of transcendent experience and desire to have a transcendent experience of intimacy with God. As an adult, I would struggle with long uh, stretches of time when self-loathing, self-loathing would dominate. I couldn't be alone. When I was by myself, I would be taken over by a flow of thoughts and words which cursed and criticized and judged I was obsessed with regret and unable to forgive myself for my mistakes and not meeting the expectations that I think I had placed on myself. Especially being new to pastoral ministry and the pressure cooker that that felt some 22 years ago. And then I had this other mind that threw myself at ministry in hopes of a better outcome and the discovery of some sort of peace and satisfaction, so salvation found in doing more and more. And I finally confided in a close friend about my struggle, and their suggestion was to start and end the day with affirmations of God's love. Not affirmations of self, but affirmations of who God is, regardless of myself or ourselves. God's offer of living water that takes which seems solid and reshapes it, living water which provides the moisture needed to reshape what appears fixed and hardened in ourselves, 
living water that reveals obstructions and barriers, lies, shame, mistrust, and self-loathing for what they are, temporary, moldable, recoverable, and vulnerable, infused with possibility for restoration and healing. Living water is being loved not because we're perfect, but love and living water that holds on to hope even when we can't hold on to it for ourselves. Quiet your voice. Quiet your judgment. Quiet the way you always tell your story to yourself. What I didn't need was affirmation and accolades, success and appreciation for who I was. What I discovered was my need to be in a community that was fundamentally hopeful. Community that could imagine with Jesus that barriers are temporary, moldable, recoverable, vulnerable, infused with possibility for restoration and healing. This is what it was to be in community that is biblically optimistic, wildly open, infused with grace, and in that company, in all times and seasons, especially so in this time and in this season as church and society. I know this is what I need, and I trust it's what we need. And it is my experience and my sincere hope that we will, in Jan's words, begin to Hear the sound of water entering the gaps as we hold on to hope in this time. We want to again this morning enter a time of silence, a full three minutes, remembering that the silence we together seek is not the absence of all sounds, but the quieting of some of the noise and chatter in our minds. And we want to say explicitly again that wiggly toddlers and fidgety kids and restless adults are most welcome in the silence. I want to invite you to ponder your noontime conversations with Jesus at the well. You can come up with your own questions, but if you need a prompt, what obstacles have taken shape in your life? What obstacles have taken shape in the stories we embrace about ourselves? What stories have taken shape about others? How might living water transform those obstacles and mold and reshape and heal and transform? Consider also the experience of quieting our judgment and unwelcome stories that we tell ourselves. And uh, invite living water to touch those places in ourselves of judgment. And kids, the question for you to consider are, can you imagine sitting down with Jesus and having a talk? What would you ask Jesus? 
And knowing that Jesus loves you, what do you think Jesus might say to you? Let us enter the silence.